check, mic check, one, two, one, two. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locker Room Podcast. I'm your host, Wyatt Lister, and today we have a very, very special guest, Alexa McKeska. Alexa, how are you? I'm doing great today. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Alexa, just briefly introduce yourself. Yeah, so I'm Alexa McKeska. I go to William & Mary up in Virginia, and I'm a freshman this year on the women's basketball team. Super talented uh, women's basketball player out of Carlsbad, California. But let's get right into it, Alexa. Just how were you introduced to basketball? Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, uh, my parents pretty much put me in every sport you can think of. Like, I played tennis, dance, soccer, softball, basketball, of course. I surfed. Um, so I think it was cool growing up this way because it showed me what I really love to do. Um so I was introduced to basketball because I think of how sport-oriented my childhood was, probably. Mm-hmm, for sure. So you said uh, growing up, your parents and then your grandfather were both, were all college athletes. What were they doing to push you on a daily basis? Um, yeah, so they all played different sports. My, my grandpa played basketball in college. My dad played baseball at Rice. Um, so... They never really pushed me to be a college athlete, but it's what I wanted to do. So they were, they wanted me to do what made me happy, and that was that. So they pushed me. They wanted me to be successful, so they took me to practices. Um, they helped me at every game, gave me feedback, and then also helped me get into the right mindset of what it took to be a college athlete because um, they'd been there before. So that really helped out, too, just hearing what advice they had to say. Mm, for sure. How important is it? with that advice on a you know psychological level when it comes to being a college athlete yeah I mean I think it's I think college athletes are 50 percent like physical 50 percent mental I say that all the time so if you're if you're not at the right mindset you're not going to perform at your best so I think it's really important to have those people who can push you and help you um, just be successful in what you're doing so it's I was really thankful to have them in my life yeah for sure no doubt about it uh, has your dream always been to play college basketball or did it eventually just come at a later time? Um, so at first I actually started off thinking I was going to play softball in college. I was um, recruited probably at se- from seventh to ninth grade to play college softball. Um, I started taking visits around that time too. I was really heavy into that. Um, but after a while, I just really, I fell in love with basketball more than I did softball. So I decided to make that switch. I think it was my freshman year of high school um so that was one of the hardest things but it was really beneficial because it's after my freshman year I really could pursue uh, basketball and start with the recruiting process in that area instead of softball up towards high school I mean to say the least from reading your uh bio on William and Mary you had a legendary high school career and what accolades looking back are you most proud of right um I think the one I'm most proud of is probably winning CIF my freshman year and getting a ring for the school because the women's team hadn't done that for a while. So I think that was really special to do it. And I think I had like 21 points that game. So that's when I really thought I could take basketball to the next level too after accomplishing that. Mm. Were you starting all year as a freshman? I did, yeah. All right. Yeah, with that being said, when did coaches start to take notice what you were doing on the court? Um, I would say a little bit after that game, but after my freshman year, going into my sophomore year, COVID hit pretty hard. So it was hard to get exposure at my high school game sophomore year, just because of the like restrictions and stuff like that. So I would say coaches started to notice me more of my, um, 
junior year or sophomore year summer going into my junior year because I was sending out emails, sending out live stream links um, that I don't think a lot of people were doing at that time just because they thought coaches could just come to their games, which wasn't true. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that was really when people started to take notice of me was that year. For sure. How important would you say it is to, you know, reach out to coaches and, you know, get live stream links or have good cover letters for people who are looking to play at the next level? Right. I think it definitely, not even for, for my situation, we had that COVID year, but I mean, even without COVID, I think it is extremely important just to get yourself out there to reach out to as many coaches as you possibly can, because we never know, like, I never thought I would end up at William & Mary. I personally never heard of them before I got recruited by them. So it's, if you reach out to as many schools as you can, like, uh, like one of them is bound to pick you up and give you a chance. So I think it's really important to do that. Yeah, no doubt about it. So keep it moving. You kind of already answered this, but when did you really get your recruiting process started? Uh, yeah, so that summer, I would say, um, going into my AU season um, of my sophomore of my sophomore year, and then that really helped spark my junior year uh, high school career because it was a little bit more lenient. Coaches could start coming back to my games, um, and then junior year summer is when I committed. So. Yeah, that junior year high school uh, high school part of it is when it really took off, I would say, too. Mm-hmm, for sure. What were your coaches doing for AU or even for high school ball to get your name out there and, you know, work out, work with coaches to give you the best chance of playing at the next level? Right. So I only had one coach pretty much my entire basketball career. Um, her name was Donna Hewn. She was my club coach since sixth grade, and she was my high school coach all four years. Um, she, she was a college coach, um, back at one part, part of her life. So she had a lot of connections, which really helped me out. So if I wanted to talk to a certain school, if she knew them, she would call them right away and give them information about me. And that really helped. So, yeah, I would say, um, my high school coach, uh, she was one of the biggest influences in how my recruiting process took. Would you say what's more important, uh, having a coach that can get your name out there or you yourself just emailing as many coaches as possible? Um, I mean, it's hard to get it done alone, especially like if you're with parents too, like parents don't always know what to do. So I would, I would definitely recommend uh, going to a coach who he, she has a high, um, like high respected name in the college industry, um, especially AAU. If you play for a coach who's highly respected, they're more likely to come to your games because they know the coach knows what they're talking about. Mm, for sure. Uh, what factors did you consider when you were choosing a college to play for? Um, yeah, so I was looking at schools pretty much all out of California on the East Coast. Um, the main thing I wanted was to come to a school that was family oriented because I would be so far away from home. So on my visits, I would just look for how close the girls were, how the coaching staff interacted with the girls. Um, that was a big consideration for me. And then two, um, I wanted to come to a school whose culture was prioritizing winning. Um, I didn't want to come to a school who was just okay with being bottom of the conference, all that stuff. And I, I want to come to a school that I know I can make an immediate impact on and help them win. Mm-hmm. For sure. What What is your advice to any high school players who are, you know, choosing between multiple colleges to play for? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I would – I would advise them to look to see if their style of play fits 
how they usually play on the court. Like for me, I am a fast paced player. I love defense. I love getting deflection steals and that fit really well with the women married culture that we have. So making sure that your style of play matches what their style of play is, it will help you be successful when you get there and it will just make the game more fun. Mm -hmm. Did you take any visits when you were deciding between schools? Yeah. Um, I took a couple, not in California, really. Um, I took some, I took one to FAU, uh, took one to Oakland, um, Brown and NJIT. Those are some mm. of the East coast schools. All right. So can you talk about, you know, some of your visits and to different colleges and what stood out to you during those visits? Yeah. So, um, I think one of the main things that stuck out was, how prepared some of them were for me and then if some weren't as prepared that was kind of like a deal breaker because if they're not prepared for you that means they don't what do you what do you mean by like not being prepared not as not prepared but like if some of the schools had like a outline for me of what I was going to do um, I was going to meet with the players I was going to watch a team practice I was going to go to lunch with the team um, then like the day was pretty much set and then some other schools there wasn't even like a outline of what my day looked like. I would just go tour the school, say hi to the coaches. Um, so that kind of, you you definitely lean more towards the schools that like prepare for you because it means that they want you there. So I think that's important. Right. Yeah, for sure. We kind of talked about this already. What roles did your high school coach or your club coach in this case uh, play helping you through your recruiting process? Yeah, I mean, I like as I said, she was probably the biggest factor in my recruiting process. Um, I don't think without the calls she made, uh, without the knowledge she had, I would have made it here. I probably would have been at another school that I wasn't as happy at. Because um, she, she really guided me. She, she knew, like, between what coaches were kind of just saying stuff and what coaches actually wanted me. And mm -hmm. they, told, like, they, they told her that because she's a respected person on the college level. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really couldn't have done it without. Mm -hmm, for sure what's it like being around someone like that who understands kind of the in, ins and outs of the college basketball industry and you know what coaches really want versus what they kind of want or don't want at all right um I think for me I was extremely lucky to have that because coming in this year like she prepared me so well for what like what drills I would have to face what like what, what Christmas practices look like when you come back from home like how the workouts are going to be. Um, she, she also had me lifting like as much as I do now at the college level. She had me doing that because she had to go through that herself. She was a division one player. So um, yeah, but just the knowledge and the advice uh, preparation she helped me with it, it was top to none. So, so, you know, elaborate that on a little more. What did she have you doing, you know, summer going into college or even your senior year? Yeah. Um, well, senior year, she talked to my, she, she would talk back and forth with what my coaches wanted me to do at the college level. So she really helped me implement that in the games. Like um, if they wanted my court vision to improve, I would have to, I would have to work on that in games. If they wanted my shot percentage to improve, I'd have to be in the gym more. Um, but so yeah, she helped me with that. Um, and then for in the weight room, she, her husband was actually my strength coach. So that helped out a lot. Um, so he, she told him what I needed to do, how I needed to do it, and like what numbers I needed to be at. So. Mm -hmm. so, you know, moving now up towards college, you're coming fresh off of your freshman season. You guys lost in the CAA semis, unfortunately. What is your biggest takeaway from your freshman year? 
Um, I would say the biggest takeaway I had uh, playing-wise would probably have to be the experience that I gained. Um, I played in a lot of games this season, and it will help me moving forward because I've been in those situations, and I know how to handle them in the future. Um, but another thing, too, I was fortunate to play with grad students who were like 23, 24 years old, so they knew the game of basketball extremely well. So just they helped me grow and learn every day as a point guard of how to get better at the college level. What are those grad students, you know, who are, who have that, those four, maybe even five years of experience doing for you as mentors or leaders on the team? Uh, right. So the two grad students who I interacted with a lot, they were both guards slash point guards. Um, so they, they really helped me. I would say like, especially in practices, they would push me the hardest because they knew I had what it took like took to um, play and be successful at this level. So they would help push me in practices. Um, they would give me advice on how to lead the team because they weren't going to be there the following year. So they gave me advice how to lead the team, how to communicate with them, uh, which is really important at the college level. Communication is probably the biggest thing that I took away from them too. Mm-hmm, for sure. So what, what does an average day look like for you in season? Yeah, in season. Um, so I would say, so our time block this season was 8 to 11 in the morning. That's the time we could be in the gym. Um, so we would have like a two, two and a half hour practice during that time and then lift after, after practice. Um, so we would do that. Then you could, depending on what your schedule looked like, you would go get a meal and then go to classes. Then after classes, you would, you could have the time of the day to, of course, eat again. It's, it's a lot of what we do is eat. Um, so we eat again, and then you could get uh, another workout in with your position coach, rest a little bit, do rehab, do whatever you need to get your mind and body right, and then just study to finish off the day. I would I would probably finish my day nine times out of ten in the massage chairs in the library just finishing out my work. So it's a great day. <laughs> yeah, seems like it. Staying busy for sure. How has your experience playing basketball at the Division One level differed from your previous experiences of playing high school or AAU? Yeah, I would say um, probably just the workload part of it differs. High school, like, of course, you're going to be going to classes, you're going to be doing your workouts. But college, it's an everyday thing. It's like workout, um, study, workout again, sleep. So it's like constantly all of that. Instead, we're high school, it's, you get a little bit more time to yourself. But in college, you kind of got to figure out how to how to manage your time wisely and stay in the right mindset to get that. Touch on that a little more. How do you balance your academic responsibilities and commitments as a student athlete? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at William & Mary, we have um, a ton of resources that help with that. Academic advisors, uh, like tutor zones here. Um, the team, we do um, study hours, like on away trips and stuff. So I would say um, you got to manage your time best by just after after all you're doing in your day, um, making sure you get your work done at night or in the morning. That's what that's what I do. So either I'd wake up earlier in the morning and get my work done or just stay up a little later at night. And get my work done. But it's all about time management. So however, whatever works best for you, I guess. Yeah, no doubt about it. As a player, what are your key strengths to being su- successful on the court? Um, my strengths, especially this year, um, even though I was an undersized guard, I think being scrappy and being a dog on defense 
um, was one of the biggest parts of my game, um, getting steals, getting rebounds. Like I had a lot of rebounds for a point guard in the CAA. Um, and then we did have we did have a lot of scores on the team, so I didn't necessarily need to be the main scorer. Um, I just I needed to be a point guard who could set my teammates up for success, and I think I did that to the best of my ability this year. How is it as you know a point guard who has seemed like a number one option in high school now moving to college with a different role? How were you able to adjust to that? Yeah, um, I mean, it's all about who you have on your team, who you trust. Like, I trusted all my teammates on the floor, so it was okay for me to pass up a shot, a good shot for an even better shot. Um, so, like, if I was driving down for a layup and I had two people crashing on me, I knew I could dish it out for a three-pointer and they would make it every time. So, yeah, just passing up those good shots for be- uh, even better shots, I think that's really important. Because in high school, yeah, you could just take it to the rack every time, finish get an easy two points, but it's not like that in college. You got to be able to have that court vision and trust your teammates to get it done. Yeah, for sure. How much different is the talent level between high school and division one women's basketball? Yeah. Um, I would say it, there is a big difference. Uh, but that's why we come, we come over here over the summer and it's a big adjustment period over the summer. Um, and it helps all the freshmen get adjusted, um, to what college basketball is actually like. And I don't think I don't think I would have actually understood how big a difference it was if I wasn't getting those minutes I had this year. Um, but getting those minutes, I really understand um, how different it is and how hard you have to work to be successful at this next level. For sure. Your freshman year, you ended up being uh, top 10 all the time in three-point percentage amongst all William & Mary freshmen. How does it feel to you know, even with a lesser role, your success still shows in your shooting? Um, so for me, I was extremely proud of that accomplishment. I didn't even know I had accomplished that um, until the end of the season. But it was extremely rewarding just because of the fact that shooting was uh, one of my main emphases um, this upcoming year. I'd be in the gym on the gun all the time with my position coach, just getting reps after reps after reps. Um, so it was really validating just seeing it pay off. And two, like the high school line is different from the college line for three pointers. Mm-hmm. So that was a big adjustment coming into coming into it this year. So I had to really work hard to um, improve my percentage from the beginning of the season to the end. Definitely. I mean, you also were top twenty five in steals in the CAA. What about that stands out to you, and what does that mean for the future? Right. Um, so for me, I am a big defensive person. I love getting steals, love getting deflections. That's that was kind of my motto in high school. Like my freshman year, I was I was a big I was a top defender my freshman year throughout my high school career. So it was cool to see that transition to the college level because I didn't think it would. Um, I mean, I I was confident I would do well defensively, but I didn't know I would get that many steals just being a freshman and not um, being as um, experienced as other players in the league. So I think that was really cool, and it just shows that if I can do that my freshman year, then I can probably be a huge defensive threat um, in these next upcoming years. Yeah, for sure. What is your team's culture like, and how do you contribute to that as a player and as a leader? Yeah, um, so I think the culture that we focused on was, of course, we wanted a winning culture. Um like we set our expectations so high from the beginning of the year, we wanted to be top three, top four in the league. So knowing that we we set a bar for ourselves, and if we didn't achieve it, then like 
what were we what what are we doing all this for if we didn't achieve that high success? Um, so I think that that was our culture. Our main emphasis this year was just being top of the league and uh, flipping around the past years when Mary basketball has had um, to a great year this year. For sure. So what are some of your favorite memories from this past freshman season? A couple of the games that I I won't forget was probably beating VCU our second game. We went to like double overtime and VCU is a top Virginia team. So that was a big win for us. It was the second game of the year we won. Um, another memory, I would say like even just a fun memory is just we go, we go have like team barbecues over the summer. Uh, that was like our first, that was my first time meeting everybody all in one place um, and just having a good time. So you can, it shows that you can ha- have fun while playing the sport that you love. Mm-hmm. For sure. No doubt about it. Moving on. What is the biggest misconception about division one women's basketball players? The biggest misconception in women's basketball in general is probably that it's not as fun to watch as men's basketball. Um, I think that misconception is definitely disappearing after the March Madness tournament this year for women's. Uh, But also just in William & Mary alone, like people have come up to me uh, of all ages just saying they love watching us play, like um, how fun the women's team is to watch compared to the men's game. So I think it's really starting to improve and that misconception is like like I said, disappearing. Right, for sure. So you touched on that uh, March Madness a little bit. So how do you feel about players like Caitlin Clark and what she was able to do for the NCAA tournament and the strides she and other players are making from women's basketball? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think myself and everyone else can say that Caitlin Clark is practically the voice of women's basketball right now. I think her, Angel Reese, Paige, Paige Beckers at UConn, Zia mm-hmm. Cook, Aaliyah Boston, they're all just like the voice of women's basketball. Um, and I think players all around the world are showing at, um, on a big stage how good women's basketball is and how good it has been. I think the media is just really taking accountability of it now of how fun it is to watch. Um, so, yeah, the media is helping out with that a lot, too. For sure. So how have you know players like Paige Beckers or Caitlin Clark or Angel Reese just – inspired you or even William and Mary as a women's basketball team to, you know, keep, keep improving and, you know, keep getting better every day. What is, what have they done for you personally? Yeah, personally, I mean, as you mentioned, Paige Beckers, I, I watched her since her high school career um, ended, but I mean, she hasn't gotten to play as much as in college because of injuries, but um I, I love the way she plays, the way she carries herself, the way she holds her faith in her sports, um, um, like all of it. I just really look up to her a lot, her and Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark especially, I mean, she she's one of the best shooters in the women's game right now. So I don't necessarily look up to that. Like, yeah, she can be a great shooter, but she can also have amazing court vision while being the best shooter on the court. So I look up to that part the most because um, she's getting assists. She's getting her rebounds while scoring like 45 points a game. So I think it's just incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming from someone who was, I mean, I was at the final four this, this year, but I was still, you know, I was still paying attention to what Caitlin Clark was doing at Iowa. And then that championship game against LSU. I mean, from coming from someone who hasn't watched a ton of women's basketball, as much as I hate to say that. Yeah. um, No, it's, it's something special for sure. And the way right. the women's game is evolving, 
as personally as someone who's grown up playing basketball their whole life and has been around basketball so much in the world of sports in general, watching the way Caitlin Clark has played, the way Angel Reese has played. I've know I've been I've known about Paige Beckers for a while, watched her a little bit in college and as you said, she hasn't played it much, but I think I can speak for a lot of people in the way that for anyone who's a basketball enthusiast, these should give you a greater appreciation for the game of basketball and the way it's played because the competition level in women's basketball is no joke. And that's for sure. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. And it's been like this for a while too. It's just taken a while mm-hmm. for people to actually notice it. For sure. Do you think it was just the March Madness this year that's put it on a big stage or is it just kind of finally been just been getting more and more noticed over time and it just needed that one kind of break yeah I mean of course this year like there was record-breaking views and stuff like that but I also think a big part of the women's game is the NIL stuff that women's basketball players are doing like if um if people start seeing like Paige on Nike commercials Caitlin on Nike commercials Hewitt commercials like um they'll be like whoa like these girls are actually the real deal and maybe start tuning in more just because they're they're on these um, big big commercials big deals um that nba players have so yeah so definitely i i think i agree the promotion of you know women's athletes especially now with the nil and i've talked about this a lot is the nil you know it gives it not only gives athletes of all levels a chance to you know build a brand for themselves i would i would talk to uh at the time we're recording this the episode that comes out monday is with a guy from Claremont McKenna who has an NIL deal with Snapchat as a division three player. Oh, wow. And so he's talked about the way it's built his brand as not only someone who's a basketball player, but someone who does, you know, content creation, just kind of basic, you know, Instagram reels and stuff like that. But now that, you know, the women's game is being able to take full advantage of it is not is one. It's growing women's basketball as a whole. And what I think you you'll agree with me on this is what we hope to see is, you know, a greater not only a greater appreciation for women's basketball, but more younger women, younger girls getting out and playing women's basketball and growing the game. So with that, what with that being said, how do you see the future of women's basketball evolving at the college and professional levels? Yeah, I mean, um, I think I said it before, but uh, Caitlin Clark is like a once in a generation player, I think people watching her now, we can have way more Caitlin Clarks in the future um, just because of what she's done. So it won't be so irregular to see a girl dropping 45 points at a March mm-hmm. Madness game now that right. she's done it. I, I think more people uh, will just start doing it more and more. For sure. Yeah, it's not going to be a once in a blue moon thing where you see someone pulling, pulling up from you know 30 feet at right. the confidence she has and the way she plays, which is – I, I've said it once, I say it again. It's great to see that women's basketball is really finally getting a chance in the media and um you'll agree it's been it's been a long time coming. So with that with that being said, what is your advice to anyone who wants to play at the division one level? This can be men's or women's, but you know, go for it. Um, I would say the main things that my teammates and coaches have told me is just to keep that confidence, um, keep that swagger because if you don't have confidence, you're really, you're not going to play how you want to play. So I think confidence is the biggest part um, to bring with you into the college game. Um, 
And then also another thing, uh, size doesn't necessarily matter that much in the women's, I would say the women's level more than the men's, but my, one of my teammates told me it's always confidence matters over size. So that, that really stuck with me this year. Um, and it showed me I can have the most rebounds in a game, have, even though I'm the smallest one on the court, like I can, I can have the most blocks in a game, even though I'm the smallest one on the court. So yeah, just um, bringing that confidence and bringing that attitude, uh, it will really help you. What has the William & Mary women's basketball program done for you off the court as a student and someone who's growing as a person? Yeah, I mean, just being here this first year, um, I can say that, of course, I've learned so, like, this is a uh, public art school, so I've gotten to learn different creative things, different leadership skills. Uh, I've taken writing classes, it's helped me improve there, but I, I do want to be a business major, so the business class, I'm business classes that I am taking, um, they're going to just help me be so successful in the future because the school is like top 10 um, for the business program it has. Um, so I know that what I'm doing now is really going to help me in the future um, if, I, if that's what I want to pursue is business later on in life. So that's going to help me a lot. Mm -hmm. For sure. No doubt about it, which you know ties us into this last question. What's next for you when you're done at William & Mary? Um, yes. So I'm not too sure about what I want to do, whether I want to pursue basketball, uh, whether that's overseas, um, after my four years here, get my MBA. Um, I'm not sure what I want to do, but I know that I am looking to study business. So whatever, if I decide to do basketball or not, I know that I will have, um, some options in the business world coming out of college. For sure. How big is the women's game overseas? Um, I would say it's not as big as it should be because it is very fun to watch. Um, I don't think the players overseas get as much recognition as they should. Um, so it, it is still growing. And I think um, with more and more players coming out of the college level playing overseas that are popular and have these NIL deals, um, I think it will only grow bigger mm -hmm. over time. For sure. The women's basketball game is going to keep growing and growing. Alexa McKeska doing it for the culture, ladies and gentlemen. With that being said, this concludes our episode. Alexa, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this, to grow the name of women's basketball and to grow the name of the locker room. Let's keep it going. But with that being said, Alexa, sign us off. Yeah, so I'm Alexa McKeska, and this is the locker room where sports unite us and sports inspire us. Peace. Peace.